Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, uh, give us wisdom today. Um, You many times write things in ways hard to understand, but uh, you reveal them unto babes according to your word. So, Lord, bless us with understanding today. In Jesus' name. All right, we're going to continue with No Weapon Formed Against Us Shall Prosper, number two. And um, we're going to use an excerpt from Vision of the End of the World, given to Sarah Hoffman. Uh, After her suicide in 1979, the Lord sent Sarah back to earth to repent and share a warning of the end of the world. Well, she said, This panoramic view of earth came into view and then came closer and closer like I had been out into space and was flying toward it. As the world zoomed up to me, I saw the whole world and then the various countries. I don't know the countries of the world very well, but as I looked at these lands, I instinctively knew what countries they were. I was looking at the Middle East and watched as a missile flew from Libya and hit Israel with a mushroom cloud. I knew that the missile was actually from Iran, but people from Iran had been hiding it in Libya and fired it. I knew that it was a nuclear bomb. Almost immediately, missiles started flying from one country to another quickly spreading to all over the world. Well, let me say that the Alliance has said that there would be a fake World War III, and we can see the stage being set out there. Uh, I have said for months that this could end up being a real world war, and that the deep state is, uh, of course, professional at getting in the middle and shooting both ways to start wars. Um, Indeed, in Revelation chapter 6, we see the second seal brings a world war. A covenant is being put together as Nasara Jasara. That's right. Um, Revelation 6, 1 through 8. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with the voice of thunder, Come. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat thereon had a bow, and there was given unto him a crown, and he came forth conquering and to conquer. Well, as you know, uh, Moses did some conquering at the beginning of uh, Israel's tribulation to go into the wilderness, and uh, history always repeats. Uh, 
Jesus in the man-child ministries is this white horse rider. Uh, we explain that very well in Hidden Manna for the End Times on our site. And so Moses is a type of that. He judged Egypt. And it was, an, it was to set the captives free, actually. Verse 3, And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another horse came forth, a red horse. And to him that sat thereon, it was given to take peace from the earth and that they should slay one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. I believe this is world war. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, and I saw, and behold, a black horse. And he that sat thereon had a balance in his hand, and I heard, as it were, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A measure of wheat for a shilling and three measures of barley for a shilling, and the oil and the wine hurt thou not. Well, this is obviously food scarcity and famine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of uh, the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I saw and behold a pale horse, and he that sat upon him. His name was Death, and Hades followed with him. And there was given unto them authority over a fourth part of the earth. Wow. Okay, so this is clear that the depopulationists uh, finally get their wish. Um, I, I'll put a little note here, too. Mike Adams and Steve Quayle interview uh, warns about the planned and orchestrated extermination of the human race. So that's kind of interesting. So I'm going to go back to this verse. The fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine, and with death. Well, the footnote for death here um, in the numeric Bible says, or pestilence. Okay, the numeric pattern is in pestilence. Um, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Well, the sword, famine, and pestilence is a pretty common phrase. And it was used several times in the scriptures to speak of Babylon's taking down of the apostates and their system. Okay? So uh, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. I mean, I know there's a rosy picture out there about what's going to come, and part of what's being said is going to happen, and part of what's being said is probably not going to happen. So uh, she went on to say, I also saw that many nuclear explosions did not come from missiles, but from ground bombs of some kind. I knew that in the future there would be a nuclear war throughout the world, and this is how it would start. Well, we have to remember that, this, that she received this vision back in 1979. And she is going to see and tell us in this vision of many things we see being prepared now. Okay. Then my focus changed from the Middle East to America, and I understood that I was about to see some things that would lead up to the nuclear holocaust I had just witnessed. And as I looked upon the continent of North America, I zeroed in on the East Coast and then to New York. I saw New York with all of its buildings and people. Then I saw some tall buildings crashing to earth with tremendous smoke, debris, and dust everywhere. 
And I believe this, she has a note here, the World Trade Towers. Yes, I believe that that's correct. The next thing that I felt more than I saw was that shortly after this, there was no commerce, no shopping, buying. And uh, was I impressed that there was no economy? Um, so there was no economy. We're seeing all this now, okay? The economy had almost failed completely, and no one had any money. I don't think it's far that the, cr the crash is going to be. Well, this is happening now, and it is uh, to bring down the deep state fiat dollar for the purpose of bringing online the new financial system. It's possible that they will not be able to bring it back completely. And I, I guess is because of plagues. You know, we don't know how much of this revelation can be avoided through repentance and spiritual warfare, so keep that in mind. Not everything that we receive has to happen, okay? Some things are warnings and some are prophecy. So, The next thing I saw was people being sick and dying. I saw this particularly in four cities, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Salt Lake. The disease started by having white blisters, some the size of dimes, appear on their hands, arms, and face. Well, this monkeypox thing is spreading now. Um, it's been in a lab. It's been monkeyed with. Uh, so we don't know exactly what it's going to do, but it is spreading now. And back in November of 2021, Bill Gates warned of a smallpox outbreak. Uh, Bill Gates' germ game warning uh, speaks about that. The smallpox is a much worse version of monkeypox, but the vaccine is the same for both. How about that? Mm -hmm. In March of 2021, NTI partnered with the Munich Search uh, Security Conference to conduct a tabletop exercise simulating a global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox, an unusual strain of monkeypox, caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory. Oh gosh, they always practice for these things that shortly come to pass thereafter, right? Because they know they're going to come to pass. SIGA Technologies and Bavarian Nordic have official contracts uh, with first world nations like the U.S. and undisclosed Europeans for monkeypox vaccine production as of May the 12th, just days before the outbreak began. Hmm. They knew it was coming. This quickly developed, she said, into white puffy sores and blisters. People would stumble about and fall, and then many died with a short time, within a short time, maybe 24 hours. I also saw other people with blood coming from their nose, mouth, eyes, and ears. It sounds like Ebola or Marburg, right? It started like a, a flu virus, and it spread very quickly, faster than the other white blister disease. The people who had this disease died even faster. 
This was uh, more widespread across the entire United States. There were hundreds of thousands of people stricken with these two diseases. Mm-hmm. So this is the deep state's revenge, and this could be their method to cheat on uh, or derail the midterm 2022 elections and also Nasara Jassara, which they desperately want to stop. I knew that there were several different kinds of diseases, but at first primarily these two. They came from small containers that had been brought into the United States. These containers uh, were like quart jars, and I was impressed that the people carrying them would just drop them on the ground in large crowds of people, and the people would become infected without realizing it. Yes, and we've had dreams of them dropping them in airports so that they would spread everywhere quickly. Hmm. In these cities, as the disease spread, the people tried to flee from the cities out to the countryside. Well, let me say, I've been saying this, do it now. Don't wait till then. Do it now. Get out of the big sin cities. There was complete chaos in these cities and a breakdown of normal society. There was no electricity in them either, but I don't know why or how that came to be. Well, let me say that they are bringing the nuclear and hydro generators down to replace them with Tesla-free energy. And they're doing that now. But because of the plagues, they may not finish the project. In other words, electricity might stay down or stay down in some areas. Okay. Um, she went on to say there were cars piled up everywhere blocking roadways, and most people uh, then had to walk out with nothing. Well, they've warned that uh, CMEs from the sun bringing the grid down, which I think is just an excuse. Uh, but more likely, they have EMPs that will take down the vehicles. The disease started to spread beyond these initial cities. As these people were fleeing the cities, there were gangs attacking them and killing them. And that's, of course, because they were afraid of the pandemic spreading. Uh, in the cities that were struck with the disease, there was complete chaos, looting, rioting, murdering, a complete breakdown. And many people seemed to go absolutely crazy. And I sensed that the electricity had failed everywhere now and that nothing was running. Well, according to our dreams, some places will have electricity and many will not because the pandemic, I believe, will hinder the switchover. And some will attempt to deceive those with electricity out of their houses. You can imagine why. So, of course, where she's, everywhere she saw, she saw electricity down, but she didn't see everywhere. There was uh, no communication or anything anywhere in the country. Well, they are bringing the Internet down to switch over to the new Internet connected through Starlink satellites. But the switchover could be interrupted by the pandemic or other things. Nothing worked. No radios or TVs. Well, because the electricity didn't come back up. 
I watched people throw rocks and break windows to steal TVs, which I thought was really crazy because they wouldn't work. No, these are people with an anarchist spirit. They're just going to do that anyway. It doesn't matter what it is. Immediately, as I watched this happen in the United States, I jumped back to the Middle East and saw the same thing in Israel. The same sores, and I realized that it was the same types of disease or sicknesses happening there. I knew somehow that whatever disease had been used in the United States were also being used in Israel. This lasted for only an instant, and I was back in the United States. There was a tremendously long winter that lasted into summer. Well, could be a nuclear winter, huh? We just had a long winter, by the way, that is still getting cold <laughs> as of the end of May, which is strange, you know. Uh, it caught everyone by surprise and started the full famine. Actually, I realized that the long winter actually just increased the famine greatly to its full measure because the famine had already been in progress because of the storms, droughts, floods, and other plagues that had been happening over uh, the few years leading up to the long winter. Yes, that's true too, huh? We can see that that's true. They did their best to destroy the crops and so on and so forth bombing food preparation plants and so on it seemed that that the year uh, following the long winter was when everything started to go downhill very quickly or things piled up one on top of the other without any breaks yeah we we've known this that uh, things are judgments are being stored up and they're going to be boom 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 right down the line the sense of time was not very clear because I was seeing several things that seemed to happen all at the same time or very close together. Well, this, is, <laughs> this sounds like our current media news cycles. Uh, the book of Revelation is not a series of consecutive happenings uh, from beginning to end. In several places, the same time periods are being spoken of but from a different direction and speaking about different judgments. And this revelation here, I believe, is the same. During and after the long winter, the disease spread everywhere and increased in severity. The economy was completely gone. Uh, hmm, that's happening. And the electricity was also gone. And there was complete chaos and anarchy all over the United States. There was no government, just a total breakdown. There was no food at all. I saw people trying to get food and, and were completely panicked because there was no food. I saw people digging in the ground for worms and eating them because they were so hungry. Well, at this point, at the end of May of 2022, the plan is crash the economy the electricity, the internet, and the food supply. So this vision has been extremely accurate up to this point, and we must ask God for mercy for those he has chosen. Okay, Do I say it can't be changed? No, I don't say that. That's why I say pray, and let's find out. 
Also, during this time, I became aware that there was very little water and that almost all of the water had become poisoned. I can imagine that, too. So that if a person drank the water, they would get the disease and die. Yes, they'll poison the water. They are poisoning the water. Many did drink the water knowing that they would die because they were so thirsty. Some of the people seemed to go crazy. I would say crazier. <laughs> and went around in gangs killing people just for the sake of killing. Once a person has a, a spirit of murder, they have no conscience against this. Okay, The deep state is full of a spirit of murder. Others kill for food or for things, but the people who killed just to kill were absolutely terrible. They seemed like beasts, animals, completely out of control, as they raped, looted, burned, and butchered people. I saw them go into people's homes and drag families out who were hiding there and rape them and butcher them. There was such a fear and a hatred that came upon the people, families, wives, husbands. Loving ties no longer mattered. It became survival only. And uh, husbands would kill their wives and children for food or water. Mothers would kill their children. It was absolutely horrible and beyond description. Well, it's here that the New Age people will discover that man is not inherently good, but is capable of the worst. Uh, just as Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 3.19, Yea, they, ha they have all one breath, or spirit, and man has no preeminence above the beasts. For all is vanity. So you know that's a false doctrine, right? They, they are capable of things worse than animals are capable of. And you never know what they're going to do when they're put under pressure like this. And this is not to mention that the tribulation came and not their thousand years of peace. Because there is no peace to the wicked, saith the Lord. Why would God give peace to America, which is overwhelmingly pagan and antichrist? Hmm? The air seemed to be filled with smoke, and many buildings and cities burned, and no one put them out. As I looked upon the scene of chaos, destruction, and smoke, I noticed that there were these little pockets of light scattered all over the United States. Hmm. There were, I would guess, about 20 or 30 of them. I noticed that most of these places of light were in the western part of the United States, with only three or four in the east. And that, of course, I believe is because of the population uh, density in the east. And there's a lot of places you can get away on the western side. But there are places being prepared by water and earthquakes uh, in the east that will be safe. These places of light seemed to shine through the darkness and caught my attention, so I concentrated on them, asking, What are these things? I could then see that they were people who had gathered together, and they were on their knees, and they were praying. The light was coming from them, and I understood that it represented their goodness and love. I understood that they had gathered together for safety and that they cared more for each other than for themselves. Some of the groups were small, with only a hundred people or so, 
but in other groups there were what seemed several thousand. I realized that somehow many, if not most, of these cities of light had been established just before the disease attack, and that they were very organized. It was like they had known what was coming and had prepared for it. I didn't see who or what had organized them, but I saw many people struggling to get to them with nothing but what they could carry. And all right, these cities of light had food and were sharing their food with those who joined them in their groups. There was peace and safety in the groups. They were living in tents, all kinds of tents, many of which were just blankets covering poles. I noticed that the gangs left these groups alone, choosing to pick on easier targets and unprotected people. They also preyed on the people who were trying to get to the cities of light. Many people in these cities of light had guns to defend themselves, and so the gangs left them alone, but it seemed that the gangs just didn't want to come against them. Well, that's God can put fear in them. God can turn them away, of course. Uh, we are warned that they that take the sword will die by the sword. And if any man shall kill with the sword, with the sword must he be killed. And I want to say that some of these people are innocent but ignorant. Uh, some are coming to these cities of light, and they won't have this conviction yet, this understanding yet. And I would suggest that guns could also have a spiritual meaning. The power to kill will be in the saints' words as if they were a gun. The two witnesses kill with their words in Revelation chapter 11, indicating the time of grace is up for the wicked. And this could be up for anybody at any time when God says so. God speaks through people. He can do anything. He speaks through people. Okay, The people themselves can't uh, bring any vengeance whatsoever or any curse, but God can speak through people who are wise and are overcomers. I realized that these cities of light, which is what I began to think of them, were only a short time, and then people in them would go somewhere else. However, I don't know where they went. But I seem to think that they gathered to the mountains, to the high places, and that could be spiritual too. They are there to be prepared to spread the gospel because we have a short time left. It's most important to share the gospel, not to hide out. But these places are going to be places where people are going to be prepared to go and spread the gospel. So then the nuclear war, which had started uh, when uh, in this dream the Iranian missile was fired at Israel from Libya, and then the invasion of the United States by Russia and China and other nations towards the end of the tribulation began. This is my note, okay? Um, we'll, as time goes by, we'll be able to put this in better order, right? So she said, as I was looking at the cities of light, I then saw missiles coming and hitting some cities and mushroom clouds started happening all over the United States. So she wasn't talking about the cities of light being hit. She was talking about the other cities, right? Uh, 
Some were from missiles that I knew came from Russia, and others were not from missiles, but were from bombs that were already in the United States. They were hidden in trucks and in cars and were exploded. I want to say that Russia and China attacks at, towards the end of the tribulation period. Okay, I don't think we're going to see any physical invasions of them at this time, although one is planned by the communist Chinese. Okay, I specifically saw Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and New York hit with bombs. New York was hit with a missile. But I think that Los Angeles was hit by a truck bomb, or actually several, because I didn't see any missile. I also saw north of Salt Lake City have a mushroom cloud, a small one, but no missile. Okay, uh, Sin Cities, uh, again, get out of them. In the darkness, I also saw little fireballs. I don't know if this happened just before or during the mushroom clouds, but uh, there were millions falling everywhere. They were very hot, of different sizes, with most about the size of golf balls. And they fell from the sky. They left a streak of flame and smoke behind them. Whatever they touched, they started on fire. Uh, people, buildings, trees, grass, it didn't matter. Uh, I didn't ask what they were or where they came from because by this time I was getting sick of the whole scene and so I just observed and didn't ask many questions. Well, we've had many dreams of fireballs hitting the earth. Okay. Almost right on top of these mushroom clouds, I saw Russian troops invading the United States. I saw them uh, parachuting into a lot of places, primarily from uh, the East Coast. I saw them parachute into Salt Lake City. I saw, also saw Chinese troops invade from the West Coast near Los Angeles. Well, this is what we've known for many revelations, um, these, that the Russians come from the East and the Chinese come from the West. Many people have this revelation. I believe it's towards the end of the Tribulation. The people who were still alive started fighting them with their own guns. I didn't see any military. That sounds a little bit like George Washington's vision. This was the nuclear war that I had seen earlier, and I knew that it was also happening all over the world, like I had seen previously. I did not see much of this war, but I was impressed that it was not very long, and the Russians and the Chinese lose. Well, that again reminds us of George Washington's vision. But I don't know how exactly. And the angels came to help in George Washington's vision. Okay. Now the smoke turned to a very thick, heavy, dark smoke. Just as things appeared to be as bad as it could get, uh, then the earthquakes happened. And this happened during a winter. Uh, it seemed that this was the winter following the very long one. And so the chaos had been almost for a full year. The earthquakes seemed to start in the west, around Idaho, Wyoming, and then quickly spread everywhere. Well, we got the early, earlier earthquakes, uh, at least two witnesses saying that they started in the east. So, we'll see. I saw a huge earthquake strike Utah and then California. 
there were earthquakes all over California, but were especially devastating in the Los Angeles and San Francisco areas. Again, sin cities. Uh, could this be the approach of Planet X? It is possible. Um, what happened in history could happen again when the planet did not escape the sun's gravity and went around again or even again. Okay, I'll touch on that again lately, later. Um, because seemingly judgments from Planet X happened through the tribulation period. So I, I have this idea that it could be like this. Anyway, these earthquakes triggered uh, volcanoes all over the West. They started spewing a tremendous amount of ash and smoke into the air, and the air became very dark and dirty. The sun was darkened even more because of the smoke and the ash that started raining down everywhere. Okay. Terrible stuff, I know. Uh, I also saw huge waves of water sweep over the west coast, and then I realized it was happening all over the coastal cities of the entire world. Los Angeles was almost swept completely away. Waves were huge. Well, I believe the tipping of the planet and uh, the slowing down of the Earth because it spins at a 1,000 miles an hour and centrifugal force holds the water at the equator. Uh, and this would happen because of Planet X flyby. I saw a big wall of water taller than many of the buildings, perhaps as high as 20 feet, sweep over Salt Lake City. I thought this was strange because it was so far from the ocean, and I wondered how a wave from the ocean could travel all the way to Salt Lake City. I was impressed that it was not from the ocean, but from the ground. I quickly saw great cracks in the earth around Salt Lake City open up and water just sh shoot out of the ground. I felt that under the ground, very deep, there was a tremendous amount of water, and the earthquakes forced it up to the surface. Sounds like the fountains of the great deep broken up. Uh, again, as in the days of Noah. That reminds us that, that the days of Noah are going to return. And when the uh, water swept over the city, there weren't very many buildings left. In fact, there was a tremendous destruction with hardly anything left at all. Just a few buildings. The water went from Idaho down to to near Cedar City and was very bad. And if you look at the Navy's map, you see that there's waters in the east too, um, covering large portions of land and in the Midwest also. In the cities, there was great destruction and, and most of the buildings had been destroyed and there was a lot of rubble. And uh, th though the earthquakes, disease and... Um, and floods, volcanoes, and tidal waves killed a lot of people. Most people died because of the gangs and everyone killing each other and not from the terrible devastation. As I thought a moment about it, it seemed that the earth itself had become sickened at the terrible things that were happening upon it and was finally reacting. I was impressed that the earth wanted to cleanse itself 
of the terrible chaos and evil that had engulfed the people. No, this is a little bit of error here. The, this is the wrath of God, not the earth. Okay, But a lot of people think that way. And um, Because of the volcanoes erupting everywhere, there was now ash mixed with the heavy smoke. Ash was falling, and it was almost complete darkness everywhere. By the way, the ash breathing it in is very, very dangerous, too. You won't last long if you do that. The diseases had become very bad. I saw people literally die on their feet. There was another disease I saw. People had these red blotches on them, and then they quickly started bleeding everywhere from every opening. And then they literally disintegrated or melted into unrecognizable masses of flesh and bone. I cannot even begin to describe what I saw. The dead were everywhere. This is a, a flesh-eating disease like Ebola. Could have jacked Ebola up even. You know, who knows? They, they love to jack these old diseases up. After this terrible winter, I saw the survivors pile up the dead into huge piles and burn them. The smell was absolutely terrible. I could smell it just like uh, a little, and the, and the smell itself would make you sick. In other words, you could just smell it a little bit, and then it would make her sick. This burning of bodies had happened a little during the chaos, but... Not much, because people were so worried about surviving, they just ignored the dead. Hmm. Uh, I, I then saw four more things. I saw a huge earthquake in the middle of the United States. It was tremendous. It seemed to split the United States in half about where the Mississippi River is. Remember, this is way back there now. And the crack in the earth uh, that resulted was uh, huge, and that area totally sank. It was miles wide, and it opened up, and the earth fell down. It seemed to swallow everything. Then water flowed in from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to the Great Lakes. Only they weren't lakes anymore. They became all part of a big inland sea. I then saw a series of tremendous earthquakes all over the world, but it wasn't, it wasn't lots of separate earthquakes. It was all part of one huge, gigantic earthquake that shook the entire earth. The earth's mantle uh, slipping on the core from uh, an earth tide from planet X seems like a culprit to me. Because of this earthquake, water came upon the land all over the world, huge walls of water along all of the coasts. This earthquake and the walls of water made the earlier ones seem small by comparison. I don't know if the earthquakes uh, that split the United States into two parts was part of this worldwide quake or not. I think it's a series of things. It's an earth tide which happens as the earth turns and faces planet X. The earth the tide moves. So it doesn't all happen at one time, but pretty close, you know. Uh, I then saw a tremendous wind come upon the earth. As the wind hit, I saw people go into caves and into cracks of rocks to escape it. It was tremendous. It blew trees and everything away. It appeared to be stronger than any hurricane or tornado. 
it seemed like everything was blown away. I understood without asking that the great worldwide earthquake and the wind were somehow caused by a huge object like a planet or something. <laughs> See, they didn't know a lot about Planet X back then, right? Uh, that had come very close by the earth and disrupted everything and that it was near the end that this happened. Ah, Planet X was not known by the public at this time. Okay. I then was uh, back to space viewing the entire earth from a distance. I saw this huge fireball, two or three times bigger than the earth, approach the earth. It was extremely bright red and gold in color and then engulfed the entire earth. Well, I've heard about the atmosphere um, somewhat partaking of the earth, burning up the atmosphere and so on and so forth. Uh, when I saw this, because it was so different than everything else, I asked what it was, and I was impressed that it was the burning of the earth that is described in the scriptures. I understood that just before it came, Jesus had appeared to the earth, and uh, the good people that I had seen earlier had left the earth with him and were no longer on the earth. Well, timing? Hmm. Planet X may go around the sun more than once. Some ancient historians reported that it hit planet Tiamat, which then became the asteroid belt, and this uh, slowed planet X so that it could not escape the gravity of the sun until uh, it went around again, and maybe even again. I don't know. The last time could be uh, the rapture and the great and terrible day of the Lord. And that is a judgment for the wicked, not the righteous. They're gone at the beginning of that. Forty days into the great and terrible day of the Lord, the rapture happens. Read Hidden Manna for the End Times. The only people left were the few wicked who had survived the devastations earlier, but there were not many. Wow. Well, this is a revelation given to Garrett Crawford that fits pretty good with this. We called it Economic Devastation and the Monkeypox Plague. This dream has stayed true to how I saw it in 2008. I haven't changed a word. I think the first crash was the economic crash of 2008. The second crash is what is happening now in the economy. I found it strange that the survivor of the crash put on a monkey suit. Hmm. This could represent the market crashing at the same time as monkeypox arrives. Well, we see that it is arriving, right? And that the crash is happening, right? So he's very right on that. I dreamed I was given a word from the Lord that another 9-11 attack would occur. It was profound enough that I told the members of my family. And a long time passed in the dream, and I had forgotten about it because it didn't come to pass. Okay, well, that happens a lot of times. This is an old dream here. Both of these are old dreams here, you know. Many times we forget the things the Lord reveals to us and begin to doubt Him because the things spoken did not come to pass. Or other people said, oh, it's a false prophecy, blah, blah, blah. They do that pretty quick. So, after uh, an extended period of time, I saw myself and a few other men 
castrating ourselves, and we had performed another surgery on ourselves as well. In this surgery, we had removed some organs from our abdomens. We thought that we were doing a good thing, but there were complications with the surgery. So they thought it was good, but there were complications. Always is. <laughs> Let me say, castration represents cutting off the flesh of man's ability to sow his own seed. Uh, you know, without him, we can do nothing. But we got to have that revelation, right? And the surgery represents cutting out the flesh and the organs that feed the old man and cause him to live independently from faith in God. We'll understand this better as we go on. The complications represent the trials and testings that, the God, that God sends our way to prove our faith and our commitment to walking in agreement with our promises in His Word. After many weeks, I realized that I was not healing properly and that I may have taken out too many organs <laughs> that I, I had really needed. And this represents walking by sight and looking at the problems and also regrets for having chosen to follow the Lord and give up everything of our carnal life for Him and His kingdom. We all walked around after the surgery carrying a plastic bag full of our organs because we thought we would should keep them, like just in case, right? We'll go back to the old way, right? Well, well, let me say, don't try this at home, kids, okay? Uh, the devil will try to convince us through fear, doubt, and unbelief that we need to hang on to our flesh and that it was a mistake to give up our fleshly lives and appetites, right? We prayed for God to help us reconnect them ourselves, but we tried to no avail to reconnect them, okay? Yet there's no going back, and it's too close to the end to go back, okay? So this represents shrinking back and desiring to reconnect to our old lives, our old appetites, and the people we've left behind for the sake of discipleship. Hebrews 10, 35-39 says, Cast not away therefore your boldness, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that having done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while uh, he that cometh shall come, and shall not tarry, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. I finally told the group of men that I was uh, very troubled and wanted to go to the hospital to have the doctors reconnect my organs. I had lost faith in a supernatural healing. At that moment, I ran outside, determined to get to the hospital as fast as I could, carrying my bag of organs. As I ran through the door, I found myself outside on top of an apartment building. Uh, well, the top of the apartment building could represent heavenly places in Christ, those who are sanctified through separation from the Babylonish world and its systems. Um... They are hidden in Christ in Psalm 91, and they have that protection. I could see that I was in a big city. I would say Nineveh, America. <laughs> and as I looked ahead, I could see the Twin Towers, 
also mentioned in the previous revelation, uh, standing in front of me, okay? He saw the Twin Towers standing in front of me. Remember, he saw that it was there was going to be a repeat, right? There was panic on the face of all on top of the building with me and on the street below. A plane had just been ripped out of the air and literally thrown to the ground in front of the towers a few seconds before I walked out. Hmm. I looked down and I could see the mangled wreckage of what used to be a commercial airline fuselage. The towers were not damaged, but the plane crashed right at the base of them. Hmm, what could this mean? Could these towers be symbolic of the American economy and empire? The first crash of 2008 did not destroy America. Okay. As I looked in the sky, another plane flew by the towers and caught fire and suddenly crashed into the top of the second tower. So this could represent this current economic crash, right? It's the second crash, and it hit the second tower. And this one will bring destruction to America, the economy, everything. At this moment, I looked at my mother, and I realized that the thing the Lord spoke to me about, come to, uh, about came to pass, a second 911-style attack. And that moment, I changed. I was so full of faith and peace. I said, if God is with me so much that he showed me the future, then he is with me enough to also heal me. Well, amen. At that moment, I took the bag of organs, representing the fear, doubt, and unbelief of the uh, past life, right? And threw them so hard, they flew over to the one of the twin towers and landed next to the wreckage of the top of the tower. So it went to the wrecked tower, right? The top of the tower was filled with water like a huge pool. Well, I believe the tower is kind of like a Babel, you know, the American Babylon, which is under the curses pronounced against it by God. I saw America as a huge fish pool in a dream years ago. Uh, the Hebrew name for Nineveh is written in ideographically with the cuneiform sign of a fish within an enclosure. And I saw the U.S. in a vision as a fish enclosure. And the fish, of course, swimming around on the inside. Okay. So... The bag just floated around until one of the survivors of the crash swam over to it and grabbed it. I told her not to touch it, but she took the remains in the bag and put them on like clothing. Remember, this was a, a sign of unbelief, doubt, fear, right? And when she put them on, it looked like a monkey suit. Uh-oh, people are going to run to the vaccines again, aren't they? through fear, doubt, and unbelief. So all of those who cling to their fear, doubt, and unbelief will become victims of the vaccines of the deep state plagues represented by the monkey suit or monkey pox. Hmm. Here we go again. People don't learn. Then my mom, sister, and I ran inside our apartment and 
I said, we need to leave the city right now before mayhem ensues. I would say you need to leave before then. (laughs) You don't want to raise children in a place where they don't want to leave their friends, right? Mm -hmm. Grab what you can carry and let's go, he said. I filled a couple of garbage bags full of food that was in the pantry and we ran to the SUV. So we have warned people to leave the big sin cities. Spiritually, this represents fleeing into the wilderness. Revelation 12 and 14, And there was given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place, where she is nourished for a time, times and a half a time, from the face of the serpent. There's those uh, bright cities, right? Just a thought, he says. This shows that when these bad times come, many lost and unsaved people will be terrified and scared, which will drive many to God. Well, of course, it'll drive some people to take the vaccines. Uh, But he goes on to say, But the believers who are knowledgeable about the things to come will rejoice because they know what is happening. Yes, the end is coming quickly, and so is the Lord, right? The tribulation will have the complete opposite effects on the two groups. Uh, The believer will know that God is doing these things and that they are in his hand, whereas the unsaved will not see any sovereign control and just see chaos causing them to panic. I think the start of these things will kickstart a revival among God's people. Amen, Garrett. I believe it 100%. All these things are going to bring revival and revival and revival. And this is so great because we need this opportunity, folks. Eternity is forever. And um, we need this opportunity with willing, uh, motivated vessels to hear. And... uh, It's coming. It's coming. We want to see revival. We want to see our loved ones come in. We want to see many multitudes of people come into the kingdom. So we're going to have to endure some of this stuff. Uh, Places are, yes, prepared in the wilderness for the woman, which is the woman church, uh, to uh, escape through these things. Um, Not all will escape. Some will be martyrs, obviously, after the middle of the tribulation period. Um, the the deep state of that time, the deep state of this time is going down, okay? But basically, people are the same. Uh, people will step forward and take their place. And uh, these people will want to kill everybody, especially Christians who they're going to blame for all of this. You understand? <laughs> They'll blame for all of this. But we know better, but it makes no difference. We are going to see the king one way or the other, right? And God, let it be, Father. We just want to see you. We want to see you gather in your people from out of these multitudes of ignorant folks that need to know you. And um, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So, Lord, I believe you're going to restore the fear of God. They're going to see people escaping these things because they have the fear of God and they have the love of God and they have the faith of God. 
And they're going to seek that, which they see in these people who have peace, I believe. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you so much for what you're doing for your people, Lord. Amen. You say, we don't want to see that, David. We want to see this thousand years of peace. <laughs> nope, ain't going to happen. Okay. Um, thank you, Jesus. It ain't going to happen. We need all this before the end. Also, Father, please be with Michael and the brethren um, in their study and uh, pour out your spirit upon them, Lord. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear. All right. God bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. You might want to listen to this again. Mm -hmm. Good night. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. And uh, let's go to the Lord. Father God, we ask for your anointing, and we ask for your wisdom to go forth today. We love you, Lord. We run after you and all that you are. Lord, there's a lot of people out there that believe they have arrived, and that saddens us because there's always a goal, and the goal is Christ and Christ's likeness. But they don't know it, Lord. And for that reason, the backsliding of the simple shall slay them. Father, help us today to understand these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the new covenant that you've given us that explains it all. And we praise you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. What I'd like to talk about, the new covenant people. You know, people who study the word for themselves, that's the people who don't trust in any man. They're going to outgrow those people around them who started in the kingdom at the same time, but they didn't have any interest in putting the seed into their heart. In the parable of the sower, the seed, and that's the word of God, was put into the heart of man. And those who gave it good ground, they bore fruit. This parable is true for us today. Folks, there is a falling away of those who have been God's people because even now, they don't have a heart for the truth. They think they've gotten all they need from their legalistic religion, and that's all that they need. And that's wrong. They ain't but one seed, and that's the seed of the word that can bring forth the fruit of Jesus Christ. And that's what God's looking for, the fruit of Jesus Christ. And the seed of man's religion will not bring forth the fruit of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, instead of looking like Jesus Christ, those people begin to look like their preacher because each seed brings forth after its own kind, it says in Genesis chapter 1. There's only one seed that can bring forth the life and nature of Jesus Christ, and that is the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's the Word. It's the wisdom of God that causes us to be able to partake of all the benefits of the kingdom of God. Matthew 13 and verse 40 says, As therefore the tares are gathered up. Now you know what tares are. That's the weeds. And in, in this case, they grew together with the wheat. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the tares and the wheat up until it comes out when it starts bearing fruit. Some of, some of you out there are saying, I've got the fruit. Well, do you look like Jesus Christ? 
Are you walking in Christ's steps? Do you believe in his ministry today or have you thrown all that out the window just like your religion did? No, you're not walking in his steps unless you're walking in his steps, right? He ain't changed. It was an eternal gospel when he gave it. But men have changed it. Men have glorified men and religion rather than Christ. And it's the same thing that happened to Jesus back in his day. None of the denominations of his time, not a single one, accepted him. The denominations of Judaism were jealous of Jesus and they killed him. Those people who did accept him had to leave their denominations. That's why he called them the church. It was because they came out from among them, it says, and followed Jesus. Today, the people who come out from among them and follow him, these are the disciples and they are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Today, if you come out and you receive the life of Christ, the denominations of Christianity are going to persecute you too because they don't like Jesus. They are, whether they know it or not, tares and haters of the true God. Matthew 13 and 40 says, Therefore the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. Well, here we are. Matthew 13, 41 says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom. In other words, a falling away. All things that cause stumbling and them that do iniquity. There's many out there who cause stumbling because they don't follow the Lord or have his same heart for the people. There are lots of people out there who cause stumbling and that do iniquity. They don't know that the gospel was meant to deliver us from iniquity. And they don't understand that the blood washes us clean from iniquity. 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 13, 42 says, And shall cast them into the furnace of fire, there shall be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yep, there's a furnace coming, folks. Then verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He that hath ears, let him hear. You see, God is not only sanctifying individuals. He's sanctifying a body. The workers wanted to root up the tares, but he said, no, let them grow together until the harvest unless you root up the wheat with the tares. So he lets them grow together, but at the end of the time, he plucks up the tares first, you hear that first, and gathers them together to burn them. Then the wheat shines forth in the kingdom of their father, because God has sanctified a body, which is what the Lord's doing now. He's sanctifying a body of people. He's now separating away from the body these people who continue in their sins. He don't want leaven to leaven the whole lump, uh, like it says in Romans 11, 16, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, and then in Galatians also. And he's doing that now. He's going to be doing it up until the physical end of the world. He wants a holy body. 
He don't want people in the body who's going to pervert you when you come into the kingdom. And he doesn't want people in the body who won't tell you the truth when you come into the kingdom. They immediately speak lies to you about who he is and what he does and what he expects of you. The Lord is plucking them up by the roots because they are twice dead, it says in Jude chapter 1. Now, I'd like to give thought to another parable in scriptures about the falling away, but let me just give you a little overview first so that you don't miss something that's important. It has to do with being in the olive tree of faithful and true Israel in Romans 11. When Jesus came along and preached the new covenant, there was a remnant of Israel that listened and heard and actually stayed in their olive tree. They were the branches that stayed in their olive tree. The rest were broken off because of unbelief. But when that happened, when the remainder of the Jews turned away, then the Lord turned to the Gentiles. They came in through their faith and were grafted into the olive tree. And then the parable jumps to the very end times when everything is reversed. And that's because in the end times, the Gentiles have the covenant, but the Jews don't. The Gentiles who are in the olive tree are believers. Now, I ain't talking about believing in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about believing enough to obey him and bear the fruit of Christ. Just like we saw in the parable of the sower. Folks, we've come to the end times where we're coming to the place of a great falling away. It's a reprobation of those who don't bear fruit. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. In the end times, things are turned around because the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And after that, God reprobates the rest of the Gentiles. But this is not a smooth, clean line drawn because there's a little overlap on both sides. And then finally, at last, remnant of Israel comes into the olive tree that God calls all Israel. Romans eleven twenty six. This is the olive tree. It's not the people who fell away. It's not the people who never heard. It's not the people who are Jews only in the flesh. This is the olive tree, and only those who are in the olive tree are called all Israel. As Paul tells us, all those in the olive tree who are born from above are Jews, whether they're natural Gentiles or natural Jews. They are Jews if they are believers in Jesus Christ. Romans 2 and 28 says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. No, not according to the new covenant. They're not. In the world, yeah, but not according to the covenant. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. So if you're an outward Jew but have a circumcised heart, then you're still a Jew in the New Testament. In the, It goes on and says, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And he explains that again somewhere on down the line there. Romans 9 and 8 says, there is... It is not the children of the flesh that are children of God. We're not talking about Abraham's seed in the natural because, as we just saw, it is not his children in the flesh that are children of God. But it goes on to say that, the, but the children of the promise are reckoned for our seed. 
the children of the promise are all those who receive the promise of the new covenant in all its fullness. And you've got to admit that most Christians don't know what the new covenant's about. And they don't know what the real gospel is about either. And it's real important to seek out the truth for yourself, folks. The devil is there ready to deceive all those who don't love the truth. They don't love the truth, therefore they don't go searching for it. And of course, these are the multitude of people who will all fall away. Matthew 22 and 14 says, For many are called, but few chosen. Paul continues on in Romans chapter 9 and verse 25. As he saith also in Hosea, I will call that my people which was not my people. That would have been the Gentiles, as you probably already know. And her beloved that was not beloved. And that would have been the New Testament Gentile church because they were not the people of God. 26. And it shall be that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people. There shall they be called sons of the living God. The Jews didn't believe that they could be sons of God. And it was hard for them to accept what Jesus had to say about that, but they were not accounted as believers until they believed the new covenant. Folks, there ain't no old covenant. It passed away in Christ, who in Ephesians 2.15, abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And the Bible also says in Galatians 3.23, but before faith came, we were kept in ward under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed, so that the law is become our tutor to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Now, Christians who go back under that old covenant are breaking their new covenant to do that. And so they're going to be rejected too as children of the handmaid and not of the free woman, as it says in Galatians 4. That's what Paul warned us about. Romans 9, 27 says, And Isaiah cries concerning Israel. He's talking about natural Israel. If the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that shall be saved. For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth, finishing it and cutting it short. And as Isaiah has said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had become as Sodom and had been made like unto Gomorrah. In other words, meaning that they are not born again. Jesus told a Jew that if he wasn't born again, he couldn't enter the kingdom. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, and couldn't even see the kingdom. John 3 and 3. Now let's see what it is that causes this great falling away. Look at Romans chapter 11 and verse 7. What then? That which Israel seeks for, that he obtained not. Now that's true. Their covenant couldn't make perfect. Therefore God found place for a new covenant. And those who didn't enter into it, they were lost. As Jesus said in excuse me, Matthew 15, 24, I was not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel had the old covenant, and they had to be the first to accept or reject the new covenant. That's why he spoke only to them. Romans chapter 11 and verse 7 says, What then? 
that which Israel seeks for, that he obtained not, but the election obtained it. The election is speaking of those early disciples of Jesus who were Jews chosen by God. Matthew 22 and 14, but for many are called, but few chosen. And the Greek word translated election, of course, is electos, and that means the chosen. If you want to be chosen, you've got to bear the fruit of the word, right? Romans 11 and 7 <clears throat> says this, What then? That which Israel seeketh for, that he obtained not, but the election obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Yeah, and that same heart is still coming to the spiritual New Testament Jews too. Verse 8, according as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this very day. Verse 9, and David said, let their table be made a snare and a trap. Their table is what they eat. And spiritually speaking, it represents their teachings. The Bible warns us that a little leaven leavens the whole lump in Galatians 5 and 9. And that we are to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees in Matthew 16. That leaven, folks, is still among the church in a, in a great way. These people are so confused. They don't even know what the covenant, which covenant they're in. Romans 11 and 9, and David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. And that's true, because what they're stuck with now is nothing but false religion. Since they don't have a covenant, they don't have a sacrifice. And how can they have a covenant without a sacrifice? The covenant is based on a sacrifice in the Old Testament, so all they have now is just religion. And if they came up with some other sacrifice, God ain't accepting it. There's only one sacrifice that he accepted. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Romans 11.10 says, Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow, bow down their back always. Let me point something out to you here that history always repeats that what happened with the old covenant people is basically happening with the new covenant people. It's the same kind of falling away, the same kind of blindness. There's a lot of people who are real religious, but they're not bearing the fruit of Jesus and his disciples. Because when you bear the fruit of Jesus and his disciples, you look like them. You talk like them. You do the things that they do. You walk in their footsteps. This falling away is just like the falling away back then was. However, today Israel is a different people. Today the real Jews are those people whose circumcision is in the heart. And today these are the people who are falling away in a repetition of history. Ecclesiastes 1 and 9 says, That which has been is that which shall be, and that which hath been done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Verse 10, is there a thing whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been long ago in the ages which were before us. God just keeps repeating the history so that we can know what's going to happen in the future. And the biggest prophecy of the future is history because history tells us what the future is going to be with the people who are the people of God in that time. 
So now we have the covenant and the Jews don't and multitudes are falling away from that covenant by their many delusions and their deceptions that they have brought into the church. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. In Romans 11, 11. I say then, did they stumble that they might fall? God forbid. But by their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. When the Jews stumbled and fell, then the rest were hardened and God turned to the Gentiles in order to provoke the natural Jews to jealousy. Hopefully, they would repent and turn to the Lord. Verse 12. Now, if their fall is the riches of the world, well, that's because Paul here is talking about all the Gentiles around the world. And their loss, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Verse 13. But I speak to you that are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I glorify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy them that are my flesh. Paul had a strong desire for the natural Jews to come into the kingdom. But at that time, only he and the other Jewish disciples and those Jewish people who came in at that time were the Jewish remnant. Romans 11 and 14 says, If by any means I may provoke to jealousy them that are my flesh and may save some of them. Romans eleven fifteen, For if the casting away of them is the reconciling of the world. You know, when God turned away from the Jewish people, he turned to the Gentile world to bring them into the kingdom. And it goes on and says, What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Yep. We're coming to a time when the natural Jews are going to be resurrected by coming into the kingdom. And they're going to be baptized into Christ, praise God. When we're baptized into Christ, we accept by faith that the old man died in the water of the word. So we're united with Christ in his death and burial. And when we come up out of the water, we accept by faith that we no longer live, but that Christ lives in us, as it says in Galatians 2.20. So we're united with Christ in his resurrection. Glory to God. Mark 16 16 said, says this. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. Romans 11 and 16. For if the first fruit is holy, so is the law. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, all those except for the elect were hardened and broken off. And thou, being a wild olive, was grafted in among them, and didst become partaker with them of the root of the fatness of the olive tree. Well, that's the Gentiles coming in. Verse 18, glory not over the branches, but if thou gloriest, it is not thou that bearest the root, but the root thee. Thou wouldst say the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, by their unbelief they were broken off. That's the great falling away that we just read about. And their table, the teachings of their false religion. And it's still a snare and a trap to this day, as it says in Romans 11 and 9. Now, we've seen that the parable of the sower says the same thing of them. When Jesus came, there was a great falling away of the first covenant people. 
And that's a type of the man-child ministry that's fixing to come in our day, a ministry in whom Jesus lives by his word and spirit. Most of those first covenant people had no eyes to see and no ears to hear. And that's why the disciples wanted uh, for Jesus to speak plainly <clears throat> in their language. In other words, without parables. But he refused because in Luke 8 and 10 he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. It wasn't given to them. Romans 11 and 20 says, Well, by their unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by thy faith. It was their unbelief in what? It was their unbelief in the gospel. Unbelief that they no longer had to slay lambs and goats because Jesus himself was the sacrifice. And that they, through their sin, were the ones who sacrificed Jesus in their own ignorance. They didn't believe these things. They didn't believe in the good news of the gospel that Jesus spoke and the disciples spoke. So the first covenant people were broken off out of their own olive tree because after Jesus came, they had no covenant. And they still don't have a covenant, even in the natural. Jews today don't have a covenant because they don't have a sacrifice. Even if they did have a, a red heifer, to sacrifice for the cleansing of the priesthood. God wouldn't accept it because now he's got this new covenant. Hebrews 8 and 13 says, In that he said a new covenant he hath made the first old, but that which is becoming old and wax aged is nigh unto vanishing away. When God made the new covenant, that made the old covenant obsolete. And therefore, if you hold fast to the old covenant and don't come into the new covenant, you don't have a covenant. Simple as that. Romans eleven twenty says, well, by their unbelief, they were broken off. And you're going to be broken off too if you let apostate preachers bring you back under that non-existent covenant. By their unbelief, they were broken off and thou standest by thy faith. The thing that causes us to stand in the olive tree of all Israel is faith faith in the gospel, faith in the good news, faith in the promises. We're the children of the promise, not of the letter, but of the promise in Galatians 4.28. The promise is what gives us new birth. The promise is what gives us faith also. Romans 10 and 17, so belief comes of hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We become children of Abraham, but not according to the flesh. Those people, the natural Jews, are still there. And they still have their promises. They still have their promised land. We are children according to the Spirit because of the faith, the faith of Abraham. Abraham had a covenant before the Old Testament law ever came about. And the Old Testament law came in because of sin. Galatians 3 and 19. What then is the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise hath been made. And it was ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. That seed was Jesus Christ. And everybody who abides in him has this promise. But thou standest by faith. So if you lose faith, guess what happens to you? 
Romans 11, 20, Be not high-minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, neither will he spare thee. If you lose faith, you lose the covenant. Your part of the covenant is the faith. God's part of the covenant is the provision. He provides all. He provides everything that you need. And if you stand in faith, you got the provisions. And if you don't stand in faith, you're not justified by faith. Or in other words, you're not accounted righteous. And that's what justified means. And since you're not accounted righteous, you don't get the benefits of the kingdom. By way of example, if you don't believe that 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed, if you don't believe that he has already healed you, then you don't get healed. And it's that away with every other covenant benefit. Any benefit for which you don't have faith, you ain't receiving because you're, non, you're a non-believer in that regard. I'm not trying to draw a line here about who can get in the kingdom and who can't. I'm talking about how you can miss out on the benefits of the kingdom if you don't believe what the scriptures say. And it's going to be proven who is a believer because these signs will accompany them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And that is just regarding the one particular benefit of healing, which we're talking about here. But Jesus gave signs, plural. He said in Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that disbelieveth shall be condemned. And these signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name shall they cast out demons, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall in no wise hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. False believers have signs. And if you run across believers who don't have signs, they're not believers according to Jesus. So you see, you might have accepted Jesus. You might even have a born-again spirit. But if you're not a believer, you ain't going to bear fruit. The fruit is the fruit of Jesus. The fruit is what the one out of four received in the parable of the sower. And that fruit put them in the kingdom. The faith of the modern religious system has another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. And that's because men who have no faith, changed the gospel to make themselves Christian. But Christian means having the same faith that Jesus gave when he made the new covenant. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, yea, and forever. Jesus called it an eternal covenant. Those early Christians were called Christians because they did what Jesus did. They walked in his steps, they spoke what he spoke, and they had his spirit. And that's what the word says, and that disqualifies most people. So now we can see why there would be a great falling away. It's because many people who think they're Christians are not Christians. They're not bearing the fruit of Jesus Christ. And the word is clear. 1 John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him, that's speaking of Jesus, ought himself also to walk, even as he, as Jesus too, walked, even as he walked. And Jesus said in John 14 and 12, 
He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. His disciples did do his works, and even up until today, his disciples do his works because they have power. They are obedient, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to them that obey him, it says in Acts 5.32. And if you're not going to be obedient, why would God give you his Holy Spirit to just condemn you more? You need to repent of your sins and be filled with the Spirit of God, glory to God. Romans 11.21 says, For if God, if God spared not the natural branches, neither will he spare thee. Now, we're clearly talking about a falling away of those Gentiles who were grafted into the olive tree. The once saved, always saved people like to give their excuse. Oh, they never really were saved to begin with. No, you don't have a falling away. If you, you can't fall away from something that you don't have. No, they fell away. They are in the olive tree when the Lord sent forth his angels. Matthew thirteen forty one, And they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that cause stumbling, and them that do iniquity. And he shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He that hath ears, let him hear. Romans 11 and 21 says, For if God spared not the natural branches, neither will he spare thee. So in other words, yeah, you can be in the olive tree through faith, but you may not continue in the faith. There are a whole lot of people out there who do fall away from the faith. The faith, of course, covers a very large territory. But it's basically the things that we were told in our new covenant. If you fall away from these things, how can you call yourself a Christian? Remember what uh, Romans 11 and 20 says, By their unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by thy faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says in Job. Proverbs also. Walking in the faith of the New Testament will keep you in the olive tree because the faith of the New Testament has power. But the faith of backslidden religion don't have any power at all. That faith doesn't do the works of Jesus. That faith doesn't say what he said because they're cut so much out of their Bible that there ain't much left of it. The promise of the Father is Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Backslidden religion don't have any power. It doesn't even believe in receiving power. Backslidden religion doesn't believe in tongues or any of the rest of those gifts. And such people are not Christian. Christian is Christ-like. Romans eleven twenty two. Behold then the goodness and severity of God. Oh, it is severity. Do you think that God would cut off that many of his Old Testament people? Yet he would save, he would spare you as his New Testament people for doing the same thing? Folks, we need to hold fast to the things which were spoken. God pronounces a curse in the last four verses of the book to not add to his word or take away from his word. Revelation 22 and 18 said, 
I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto them, God shall add unto him the plagues, which are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and out of the holy city, which are written in this book. Take away his part means that this is somebody who had it, but then they lost it. And so a great curse, a great falling away is coming. Folks, we're about to repeat history. The man-child ministry is about to start. and Jesus is going to go forth once again in a body of people in whom he lives. And they're going to be reformers, just like he was. Romans eleven twenty six, And so all Israel shall be saved, even as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That deliverer is the man-child ministry that Isaiah calls the Redeemer in Isaiah 59. The Lord is coming to reform and bring us back to the covenant that these liars from apostate religion took us away from. Did you know that if you deny the words of the covenant and the faith of the covenant, you're a murderer? You spiritually kill people. Who is guilty of the blood of the saints and of the prophets? It's the harlot, the one who received the seed of man instead of the seed of God. It's the harlot. How many people today are dead because apostate religion does not believe that Jesus delivered us from the curse, delivered us from demons, delivered us from sickness, delivered us from sin? How many of them? These people have destroyed the gospel. And they're guilty. And you're going to see them judged in the exact same way that the leadership of Israel was judged with blindness, deafness, not being able to accept the truth, and on and on. These backslidden preachers are going to be used as a test for those people who follow them, a test to find out who it is that loves the truth. The truth is here in black and white, but apostate religion denies it. They ain't nothing but idolaters because you can show them the word and they still will deny it for their own religious doctors and idols and their own preacher idols too. And God's angry with them because he's given them time to repent and they have not done so. A few will repent and come into the kingdom, but sadly, most will not. The early disciples were sad that three out of four who heard the gospel we're not holding fast to what God was giving. And that's the same way it is today. We're seeing a falling away already. A great falling away of people who don't believe the word and refuse to obey it because of their idols. Romans eleven twenty two says, Behold then the goodness and severity of God toward them that fail severity, but toward thee God's goodness. If Thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Cut off means that they were in the olive tree, and a good many people will be cut off even before the tribulation come. Apostate churches teach that they're all going to be raptured away. I'm going to tell you something. The bigger part is going to be cut off in a great falling away. Romans 11.23 and they also, if they continue not in their unbelief, shall be grafted in. 
And if the Jews don't continue in their unbelief, they can be grafted back into their own olive tree. Then it goes on and says, for God is able to graft them in again. Praise God forevermore. They have always been Jews coming into the new covenant. Although some of them come only halfway into the new covenant because they have a problem in knowing which part of, of which covenant to obey. They think it's good to keep all the feasts and all the Old Testament law because they don't understand that that's exactly what the Bible warns about. Those feasts were parables. By following the Old Testament law, they're not keeping the parable. They're doing the parable. They don't know they're supposed to be fulfilling the parable because of the letter. Second Corinthians 3 and 6 says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So God is able to graft them back in. And when you see large numbers of Jews coming in, just know that the end of the times of the Gentiles is close, as it says in Ezekiel chapter 30. Romans eleven twenty four says, For if thou wast cut out of that which is by nature a wild olive tree, and wast grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Praise God. Verse 25, for I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits, that a hardening in part hath befallen Israel. That's talking about natural Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, be come in. God's hardened them, just as he said. And of course, those who have passed away in their sins are separated from the kingdom. But the Lord is going to restore Israel. When we come close to the end of the time of the Gentiles or the fullness of the Gentile, which is all those who are going to come in, then God is going to restore Israel and the Gentiles will be hardened. Those that haven't come into the kingdom at that time, they're going to hear, but they won't obey. Romans eleven twenty six, and so all Israel shall be saved. And here we see that all Israel is everybody in the olive trees. It's those who stayed. It's those who came in and stayed. And it's those who came in and left, but returned and were grafted back in. Jesus, when he went and preached the gospel to the souls that were in prison, separated a group of them from Sheol, and it's the place of the dead, and took them with him. Praise God. And so faithful people from the Old Testament are in the kingdom because only those who are believers, according to the new covenant, are in the olive tree. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believed on him were to receive. Are you going to receive the Holy Spirit? Have you? not yet received the Holy Spirit, as it talks about in Acts chapter 8 and 19. What you waiting for? Romans 11 and 26 and said, as says it, and so all Israel shall be saved. And you can see that all Israel here is not talking about all natural Israel, but those who are Jews inwardly and whose circumcision is that of the heart 
in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so all Israel shall be saved. Even as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer. And of course, Zion is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is that city which is born from above. It's the born-again Jerusalem, not the one that's in bondage with their children who were sons of the handmaid because of the law. It ain't them. When Jesus spoke to the Philadelphia church in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, he spoke about them being from above. The bride, that heavenly Jerusalem, is coming down out of heaven because we're being born from above. It's the bride because Zion is not the whole church. It never was, just as Jerusalem was not the whole church, and it never was. But there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, because God is going to shine forth out of Zion. Psalm 14 and 7 says, Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. When the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, then shall Jacob rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Zion is going to be the leadership, much like he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, it says in John 3.29. That was spoken of Jesus and his disciples, who were the first fruits unto Jesus. The deliverer is the one who is going to bring in the remnant of Israel, praise God. Romans 11.26 says, And so all Israel shall be saved, even as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them. When I shall take away their sins, as touching the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. You see, he's going to bring them that gospel again. And what's more, the elect will receive it because that's what happened the first time. History just keeps on repeating. For the gifts and calling of God are not repented of. It's a sad thing, but the reason so many people are going to fall away is because they're not believers according to the New Testament. John 7, 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. Folks, there are so many religious and preachers out there that pick and choose verses. They don't walk in the steps of Jesus. And therefore, they don't have the power that Jesus had and which he passed on to his disciples, his true learners and followers. They have received another Jesus another gospel, and another spirit. And that ain't nothing but antichrist. Yet these are broadly accepted and not recognized for the cult that they are. And to them, you're the one in a cult if you believe what Jesus believed and you walk in his steps and you walk in his power. To them, you're the one in a cult if you believe that the gospel delivers you from sin and the power of darkness because they've never read the word. They just accepted what that preacher said. But they are the ones in a cult, and they are the dangerous ones. These are the people who throughout history have killed the righteous ones who have believed the word of God. 
their forefathers killed all the prophets. They killed the disciples. They persecuted the believers. These are the same people and they persecute believers today when they try to tell them the truth out of their love for them. Just as the Apostle Paul loved people as his own flesh. Mark 7 and 17. <clears throat> and when he entered into the house of the multitude, his disciples asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Perceive ye not that whatsoever from without goeth into the man cannot defile him? <clears throat> There's some people out there still caught up in Old Testament doctrine because they don't understand that those clean and unclean meats of Leviticus 11 were symbols of partaking of people in their lives. So they're actually acting out the parable, but they're not keeping what the parable points to. They believe they're defiled for eating this or eating that. But Jesus said it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. Mark 7 and verse 19, because it goeth not into his heart, but into his belly and goeth out into the draw. This he said, I make, uh, this he said, making all meats clean. If you bless your food, it's blessed. If you don't believe you can bless your food, it's not blessed. It's that simple. I bless everything I eat. That way ain't no problems. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Of course, everything is under the curse, as it says in Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> it's not just the clean or unclean meats. All meats are under the curse. And people are dying from meats, whether they are kosher or whether they are unkosher. They're dying from everything out there because everything is under the curse. And the only way something is not under the curse is if you are not under the curse because you believe that Jesus became the curse for you. So that you could have Abraham's blessings. Jesus bore the curse, but these people don't believe it. They believe that they have to be very careful about what they eat, even though he's telling them, no, it's not what you eat that defiles you. When the apostle Peter didn't quite catch on, this parable was repeated for him in a, uh, in a more detailed way. Acts 10 and 11. Behold, the heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending as it were a great sheet, let down by four corners upon the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts and creeping things of the earth and birds of the heaven. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common and unclean. And a voice came unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, make not thou common. God corrected Peter. And those of you who have been Judaized need to repent and believe what Jesus said. Mark 7 20 says, And he said that which proceedeth out of the mouth, out of the man, that defileth. That's the Greek word kornu, and it means to make unclean, render unhallowed or unholy, defile, profane. And it, <clears throat> that defileth the man. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean, not what goes into you. We're told to, in Hebrews 12 and 14, follow after peace with all men and the sanctification. That's the Greek 
hagiosmos, and it means the process of advancing in holiness. The believer being progressively transformed by the Lord into his likeness. And it goes on to say, without which no man shall see the Lord. So without holiness or sanctification, and that both has the same meaning, no man shall see the Lord. Holy is clean, and a man is unclean by what's in his heart and what comes out of his heart. He's not unclean by what he eats. Mark chapter 7 verse 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of men, evil thoughts proceed. How do thoughts proceed out of man? They proceed out in words. If you confess him before man, he'll confess you before the Father. Because he's the high priest of our confession, it says in Hebrews 3. And the Greek word for confess is homologeo, and it means to speak the same as, to publicly declare. If you don't read the word, and if you don't say what the word says, you're not being confessed before the Father. And that's a dangerous thing, because if you want the benefits of this word, you must confess this word. And I suggest you confess it every day. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels. Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding Shining rays of red and white Jesus, I trust in you O sacred heart, in you I find Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine O Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus, I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise, I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus
just 